What is up, Fight Talk fans? It is another week, another show, another podcast here on the official Fight Talk podcast. Uh, it's your boy, John Mosley. Mose joined by the man, the myth, Fight Talk himself, uh, Steven Jensen, man. A lot to talk about in the UFC. We got a little Invicta talk, at least about that main event. Um, how was the weekend, though, bro, before we dive in? Weekend was good. A lot of good pro wrestling, a lot of good MMA the Minnesota Vikings lost uh, yesterday. That was, uh, it was devastating. Lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Shout out to my friend Doug Bateman, though, if he listens to this. Big Cowboys fan. And he was very respectful uh, in the win. We beat him. We won last, the Vikings won last year over the Cowboys. And I was gracious in victory. And he was gracious in victory uh, this year. So I'll give him a shout out. But it was a really heartbreaking loss. Uh, aside from that, though, it was a really good weekend, man. How about you? Good man, busy, good. Uh, I thought my Titans were going to suffer uh, a similar fate of a awful, terrible loss because I fucking hate the Baltimore Ravens, but they did not. They just uh, hurt feelings. A.J. Brown uh, bullied the entire Raven defense. It was uh, it was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, but yeah, man, I'm very happy to be back. Again, so much to talk about. We're going to, before we get into the UFC uh, 255 talk, we mentioned it a little bit last week. Uh, Kayla Harrison in action, representing the PFL over in the Invicta FC main event. Threw a beating on Courtney King, bro. That had people like, I, I saw the word terrifying used quite a bit. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Kayla Harrison nearly uh, getting a, catching a charge for a mauling? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's kind of wild because we were talking about her like last week or the week before on this show. And I didn't realize when we were talking that she was having this fight with Invicta. I was talking all about like how, you know, I, I knew she was still with PFL and that I was hoping that, you know, Bellator, the UFC could get her because if she could cut from 155 to 145, that'd be really interesting. And I even said she might be good enough for them to have women, you know, at 155 fighter in the UFC, if they can create a weight division around her. We're talking about all this stuff. What flew completely under the radar to me somehow was Invicta was actually able to sign Kayla Harrison with an exemption that PFL gave her. Like PFL gave her a an exemption to her contract. So she's still under PFL contract and she's still signed to compete in the next PFL season. But Invicta let her or she signed with Invicta with PFL's blessing for two fights, from what I understand. So we had the one yesterday or this uh, past weekend, and then we have. Um, she said she wants to fight in like like uh, January, like as fast as possible, and get those two fights out of the way. Then fight out her PFL contract, win a million dollars again, and then she'll be a free agent. And it's assumed if she wins the tournament and stays undefeated throughout all of this, then you know she will. I'm sure sign. I mean, she has a big money fight available in Bellator with Cyborg. And she has big possibilities in the UFC with obviously Amanda Nunez or, you know, there's other women that they could possibly, you know, like Holly Holm potentially and, you know, big money fights over there. So that all being said, Kayla Harrison looked fantastic. Like, I mean, you can't really ask for a better performance than this. She literally, like you said, she just mauled her. Uh, it was a bloody mess. It was something where I was, uh, I was kind of surprised almost that, that King even came out for the second round. And that's not a disres in disrespect. Like she got beaten down really badly in the first round. 
uh, if her corner and her decided that they didn't want to come out for the second round, I, I wouldn't have blamed them to be fully honest. And then it was just more of the same in the second round until the referee had to stop, you know, step in and, and stop the fight. But, uh, but yeah, Kayla Harrison, I mean, she's, she is super impressive. And, you know, I think there's a pretty big gap in talent between her and the women she's fighting for the most part. But the best women that they can find for her, she's completely destroying. It's her featherweight debut, second round, TKO finish. Um, it, super, Yeah, there's not much else to be said, man. Super impressive. Bloody as hell. Uh, opened that cut on the nose. Really dominated. And, and, yeah, it's weird. Where else can you say, right, you you do this, and now if everything goes right and, uh, and things don't get, you know, uh, screwed up by, by the COVIDs, uh, go out and probably win a million dollars uh, and then the sky's the limit because I think uh, so much of her at least gets talked about right is the same way with Rousey was the judo was uh, ground stuff like that so uh, just a violent finish uh, it's actually her third uh, third win of her eights by TKO now three out of eight by TKO two by submission Two by decision, all at the ripe old age, LOL, LOL of 30. So if I'm Kayla Harrison, man, uh, 2021, 2022 could be some, you know, really, really big years. Yeah, I totally agree. I, uh, if she stays undefeated, like I said, I, I could absolutely see her fighting Cyborg. I could absolutely see her fighting someone like Amanda Nunez. I mean, this is assuming Amanda Nunez holds on to the belts, but... There's no reason for me to believe she won't, but that's, I mean, I feel like at some point someone's got to beat Amanda Nunez. I just don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if there's anyone on the UFC roster who can do it. You know, she's supposed to fight Megan Anderson next. I don't think Megan Anderson's going to be able to do it. Um, so it kind of leaves me with someone like Kayla Harrison. Because what, what Kayla Harrison's game possesses that most of the others don't is like, her judo and grappling and all that stuff is really, really, really good. And she can get women onto the ground and she has a very like muscular build. Like she, she's very athletic. Like she, I don't know how else to really say it other than, you know, she, when, when you see her walking around in the cage, she's got like, you know, trap muscles and she's, you know, she's looking like, she looks like she's ready to fight. I mean, she looks like a fighting machine athlete. Like, and on top of that, she, her like her ground game. So like she's physically intimidating. Her she's she, it's it's kind of similar to Paulo Costa to be completely honest. Like like when you when you when you look at them like against their opposition. Like Kayla Harrison just looks like a different kind of human being than her opponents almost. Like you know when I saw her like facing off with with King, I'm like this this woman's gonna get destroyed. Like this is gonna be. And Kayla, and Kayla just, she, she's, she's such a high level athlete. That's what, that's what like really can't be understated is physically she has, she has that physical look about her and she is physically imposing. She is faster than her opponents. She's stronger than her opponents. She's more technically skilled than her opponents. There's no position she's gotten into yet, like in her MMA career that she's been in any kind of danger and she can stop you. With some, if she didn't want to keep pounding on King's face on the ground, she probably could have just thrown in an arm bar and ended it whenever she wanted to. Like, just and, and once again, it's it's her doing this to the best women available available to her. Like, 
it isn't like she's getting thrown cans. Like if it's women that are fighting their way to getting to the top of the rankings and stuff like that, like former champions and other promotions and stuff that, that they're, you know, it isn't like they're just feeding Kayla Harrison. It's, it's the best available women and she's just destroying them in, in every aspect of, of the game. So, um, I mean, it, it would probably look like a pretty big step up for her to fight someone like Cyborg or someone like Nunez, but at the same time, like, who who am I to say that she isn't ready to do that right now? Because she's there's no reason for me to believe that there's anyone outside of those kinds of fights that can really do anything to her. No, yeah, it, any anyone in there with her again that right now um it's it's a that's a big task again uh we we we've kind of hinted at it but yeah uh 20 2010 world judo champions uh gold medals the 2012 2016 olympics and gold at the 2011 2015 pan american games for kayla harrison doesn't get much more star-studded than that uh and, and again eight no now hopefully we'll be seeing her back in there in the pfl and then yeah i mean it feels uh, a long way away now, but the idea of Harrison and Nunez, it, it really is enticing to me because of of what we know about Harrison, about what you just mentioned, the size. But I'm with you. After seeing Amanda Nunez as much as we have, seeing her live, you know, I know we were both at the uh, at that card um, where the main event, where, where Woodley beat Lawler for the title a few years back for the UFC. And even then, uh, at the uh, at the little pre-workout thing, or I guess that was the weigh-ins, right? The weigh-ins they had in Mena Nunez there. I'll never forget it. This was when Ronda Rousey was still Ronda fucking Rousey. Nunez grabbed a mic and, you know, I want to fight Ronda. And that crowd was very much like, oh, sure, I don't know about... And I'll never forget the confidence in her voice of in that moment, like, I want to fight her and I'm going to beat her. And boy, did she ever. So um, shout out to Mena Nunez. Shout out Kayla Harrison. Uh, I mean... Just a whirlwind performance. Uh, couldn't have looked any better. Um, anything else you want to add before we get into 255? No, that's it. Kayla uh, Harrison looked absolutely uh, amazing. Like she has in pretty much all of her fights up to this point. And I I do not see PFL. I mean, I don't know who all is going to be in these tournaments, but I don't expect PFL to be able to find anyone who can beat her. And I don't think that her next Invicta fight, they're going to be able to find someone who can beat her. And... Uh, I think that if you are an MMA fan and you aren't paying attention to what Kayla Harrison's doing, then you're doing yourself a disservice because she's going to be a very big star in either Bellator or the UFC. Could not have said it any better myself, my friend. So uh, with with all the Kayla Harrison love out of the way, and again, uh, if you did miss that, go go check that out. Go go make make a point to go see the performance she put in. And uh, is now is that time we got we got to talk about UFC 255. Uh, a little different how we're going to kind of get into this one this week because of uh, word coming out. Of course, uh, Figgy retains that flyweight title with a first round uh, guillotine choke submission over Alex Perez. The main event of the prelim card, uh, Brandon Marino beat Brandon Royval first round with, with TKO punches. So but I know we're jumping into this. We'll, we'll talk about this fight separately, but we can't we can't not mention the fact that at UFC 256 in essentially three weeks, we're going to get Figgy versus Marino, the fight that you and I both agreed probably should have, could have, all that happened this past show at 255. Um, but it's official again, UFC 256, December 12th. 
uh, it, we're gonna get we're gonna get Ficky versus Marino for the title. Um, so with that out of the way, before we really get into that, what did you think about these two performances? Right, we both thought we both thought Ficky was gonna look like he did. We both predicted Marino to Roy Val to be a fun fight, but Marino probably to get the win there. Both with first round finishes. Uh, let's start with that main event. Right, anything? I mean, there's really just not a lot to dive into. Just dominance. Yeah, Figueroa looked great. I thought it was, uh, I mean, masterful performance. Took no damage. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything more than that. And we touched on it a second ago. We talked about it a lot on last week's show, how I thought that Brandon Marino should have gotten that title shot instead of Alex Perez. And it is very weird that, because when we talked, Brandon Marino is ranked number two in the division. He's actually ranked number one now. They have him tied with uh, Joseph Benavidez. I don't know why they don't just have him ranked above Joseph Benavidez at this point. But um, but basically, uh, Brandon Marino, the number one ranked flyweight at that, at that weight class, he was on the prelims getting a TKO victory in the first round. And Alex Perez was ranked number four in the same weight class. And got completely destroyed by Stevenson Figueroa. So I I don't, I'm not saying like Alex Perez didn't, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where it's like, uh, like was, was, was I right? Were the rankings wrong? Was, was I, I don't know. Cause it's just one of those things. Cause when we were talking last week, we compared the, the two as far as their performances building up to like where they were on this show. And Alex Perez had done more impressively than Marino as far as finishing uh, Formiga and Brandon Marino wasn't able to. So like, I agreed, like, you know, that's, that is more impressive, you know, maybe it should be Perez, but then we were also talking about, well, then why wasn't Perez ranked higher? Cause like, shouldn't the rankings matter? And the rankings didn't matter in this case. They went with number four instead of number one. And it was like, then why wasn't, if, if what Perez has been doing is so much more, you know, impressive, then why is he not ranked higher than Marino? It didn't make any sense to me. Either the rankings are wrong or the bo- the matchmaking was wrong. Something was just felt really wrong about the whole thing to me when Brandon Marino is on the prelims. And on top of that, once again, earning a big TKO victory. Like, so the good thing about all this is whether I was right or wrong, <laughs> we're, we're getting the fight anyways in like three weeks. So I'm happy about it. Like, Fig took no damage. Marino took like no damage. They're all they're both coming off of fights on the same exact night. It's totally even as far as the weight class or the uh, the weight cuts is going to have to be as far as the the timetable. They have the same exact amount of time to make weight. It and Brandon Marino. This is the best case scenario for him. The reason being, if he didn't have this exact thing lined up the way that it has. Cody Garbrandt would be taking his title shot. So Marino needs to get in there and fight for the belt right now. And to be honest, this actually all wound up working out in the best for Marino, I think. He put on a, a good performance, proved he could knock out a really good guy on the same show. He's going to go on to have the same exact amount of time to cut to as the, as the guy's going to fight for the title. The guy for the title didn't take any damage either. The fight's even bigger than it would have been a couple weeks ago going into this show. And uh, and he still gets the title shot because Garbrandt is going to be ready to fight for a while. Garbrandt will get the next shot when he's ready. But Marino is still going to get the shot 
and Garbrandt will fight the winner of this. So despite everything I said about Alex Perez being the wrong person, and at the end of the day, I think he, I think he was, but I yeah. think things wound up working out the best for Brandon Marino at the end anyway. So it kind of all worked out. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. You know, you you finished someone in that first round, uh, confidence at an all-time high. Um, I think, yeah, you, you nailed it, man. Not much else to be said. This is, it, it, as weird as it is, even with us agreeing that maybe, probably, yes, that fight should have happened at 255, we are, I believe, we're, we're in a better spot uh, for, for, for UFC 256 because Marino's going to be a little more confident. Obviously, uh, Figueredo, you know... You, <laughs> You just there's there's not there's nothing uh, negative to be said about, uh, you know, submitting someone in less than two minutes, man. That's just that's that's as good as it gets, I guess, minus a, uh, you know, a, a quick knockout. But uh, I'm excited for that fight to happen. I know uh, when it gets a little closer, we'll we'll make a pick on that one. But um, you said it, man. Uh, we may. And it, you're right. It, we don't know if we're right at the time, whatever, whatever. But we're right. And, and hey, probably going to get a, a better maybe matchup because of that uh just because of the confidence level for for brandon marino coming off this past saturday i can't wait for it again uh ufc 256 official uh three weeks man three weeks from now we're gonna have another pretty sick flyweight title fight in the uh in the co-main uh valentina shevchenko women's flyweight champion unanimous decision uh you know this was one though. I think Jennifer was it the second round. Uh, Jennifer Maya won. Um, is that my saying? Is that my thinking? Uh, it was the yeah. It was probably the second or third round. I can't remember. But, but she did. Ha- she. I mean, Maya looked way better than people expected her to. Yeah, sure. that, that was exactly my point. It was going to be she. She won a round. I think we both thought this would be pretty pretty dominant, and it still was. It was a dominant win, but still, you as you were just about to say, Maya looked like she definitely had improved and. Even in this unanimous decision lost, uh, she looked better. Yeah, she, I mean, she upped her stock. She didn't become the champion, obviously, but, like, she hung in there with Shevchenko. So, you really can't, I mean, outside of winning the fight, obviously, there's nothing more Maya could have really, she's got to be really happy with this to a degree. Like, she went all five rounds. She won a round. She, like, she got fairly... You know, fairly dominated. Like I'll definitely agree that Shevchenko definitely won the fight, and and like like unquestionably she won the fight. But it's like, you know, there is something to be said for sure about going five rounds with Shevchenko and like actually, and actually stand. You know what? I'll put it this way: going in there and actually standing a chance, like standing a real chance. Like Jennifer Maya looks like the kind of fighter that, with more experience, with maybe a couple more big wins, maybe could be Valentina Shevchenko one day. Like I don't, I don't think it's like a like a 50 50 kind of thing i think it's you know shevchenko still wins you know probably eight or nine out of ten but maya looks like she has the kind of skill set that because because what she was doing really effectively was using her like she was using her grappling to get shevchenko up against the cage and she was able to really hold her there as long as she wanted to and there were certain things she could do grappling wise really well with shevchenko especially when they got on the ground like she like she shows a lot of um, I don't know. She, I, I was really impressed with, with her performance and I was obviously really, really impressed with Shevchenko. She, she for sure won this fight. She's for sure the best flyweight in the world. Um, unquestionably, like Shevchenko is absolutely incredible. Um, getting closer and closer to like, 
fringe goat status, you know, you know, if she didn't have those losses to Nunez, we'd be talking about her as potentially the best women's fighter ever right now, probably. So it's like, she's incredible. And, um, and I think Jennifer Maya really, uh, it, it went from something where it was like feeling that Jennifer Maya should not have gotten that shot because Lauren Murphy and even like Jessica Andrade, I think were more deserving, but now I'm like, you know what? That she, she deserved it. That was a good, that was a good fight. Like she, she was, uh, she was, I don't really know what else to say. She was better than, she was better than I think anyone gave her credit for, especially the fucking odds makers. Jesus Christ. Like she was, she was like plus, uh, I think like 1500 at one point, like you'd only have to bet a hundred dollars to win back like $1,500 at one point with her. Like and everyone completely counted her out. And by the end of the fight, there were some people probably sitting there, like, waiting for their scorecards, like, oh, shit, like, I don't know, you know, it was it was pretty good. So, huge props to Jennifer Maya. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I thought this could have, I mean, again, it, it was, it was a dominant performance, but, you know, anytime you can make your stock grow in an opportunity like that in a championship fight, we've seen you know, talented uh, fighters get in that spot and some, the lights have been a little too big, but this was one where Maya, you know, she did everything she could. And again, we're talking about a real, like a, just an absolute hoss of a 125 uh, pound champion. I mean, until, until, you know, if that day comes that she's in there with Nunez again, um, I don't know if I'm picking against Valentina, bro. Yeah, uh, and kind of like I was saying, I mentioned two women uh, a second ago, Lauren Murphy and yes. uh, Jessica Andrade, and they're, like, I don't, I, as much as I like both of them, I don't think I could pick either of them against Shevchenko. I really think Shevchenko beats everyone who's currently in the division. So I'm with you as far as, you know, I think Nunez is really the only woman right now around her weight class that's going to really... That it could be really competitive uh, right. for, for both. Because you also have to consider, like, Ioana and Jacek, who's one of the best strawweight fighters ever, moved up to try to fight Shevchenko at, at 125 and wound up getting dominated. You know, like, so you can't even say, like... I mean, Wale Zhang, that might be interesting because she's been very, very, very impressive and she has a lot of power. But it's still... I'm still picking Shevchenko, like, if I have to pick a winner in that one, you know? So it's like... But, you know, as, and that's the thing, like, as far as, like, who's next for Shevchenko, because we always talk about that, like, I, it's tough, because I think Lori Murphy deserves it more, based on merit and what she's done in the division, but Andrade is a former Bantamweight champion who knocked out Chukagin in one round in her last fight, so it's like, I think that Andrade has a better chance of beating Shevchenko. So I would say Andrade, but like, I would really like to see Lauren Murphy get a shot too. You know what I mean? No, either one of the, yeah, I'm here for, for all of those fights. Uh, There's, there's, and that's the beauty about this. How many times have we, have we said, I just, you know, it's a good fight. It's this or that. I just don't know if, if they can really beat so-and-so and And we've been wrong before. That's the, that's, that makes the, the fight game probably the the best to me i mean this is my opinion I, uh, we as you you've listened to us me and jensen both there's plenty of sports we love outside of mma but there's just there's nothing like you know it's almost like that feeling that you know college basketball that march madness shit it's like it's that times a hundred when you really when you realize like hey this person 
that we thought might, you know, might be there, but not really. They're do they're doing work tonight. So uh, I'm not counting any of these fighters out, but it, it's just so hard. It's so hard to bet against Valentina. Um, I, I'm very excited to see what they do with her next because she is. She's just she's just so dominant. She's just so good, and we know uh, we know just as well as anyone else that um, that in the back of her mind right now, or you know, somewhere in there is Amanda Nunes. You know, those two losses. Of course, the the split decision loss back in I can't believe I feel like we say it every week. Back in 2017, already been uh, over three years since that happened. So. Uh, it, she wants to be back in there with Nunez. You know it. I know it. We all know it. But uh, but at 125, there's just there's just not much better right now, if at all, uh, than Valentina. Man, um, anything else you want to throw in before we move on to this? Oh, this this Mike Perry call. <laughs> well, like that's one more thing I'll mention about like a potential fight with Shevchenko and Nunez right. is, is um. It's one of those things too with Nunez is getting to a point where she's running out of contenders at two weight classes. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's something where it isn't it doesn't just make sense for Shevchenko to want to fight Nunez. It also because because when you when you see that on paper, it's like Nunez, what does Nunez have to gain? She's lost she's already beaten Shevchenko twice. Now the one, now one was a split decision, but the other was unanimous, right? So yeah, it was, yes. So, but still, two decisions. I mean, that's still, those are still good fights. Um, especially the split decision. That's literally history changes with a, with one differing scorecard. So, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things, man, where it's like, it, it, I think a lot of people would see that as, well, Shevchenko's like chasing after Nunez because you know Shevchenko's running out of people to defend the title against that are competitive, which which honestly is the truth. But it's also the truth that Shevchen- that uh, Nunez, if Nunez beats Megan Anderson, she's she's run through every. I mean, there's not even an actual flyweight division. Like, there's not even rankings in the UFC for the the women's flyweight or sorry featherweights. Um, so like Nunez has beaten. All of them, and then she's beaten all the 135 pounders too at bantamweight. And the only other option anyone would really have would be like weights moving up to featherweight or vice versa. Like, but uh, in most cases, Nunez has already beaten these women. Some, some of which more than once. Yep. So it's one of those things too, where Nunez is kind of gonna need Shevchenko, I think, too, at a certain point because P- I, I honestly think that I think Nunez is a huge draw and I think people really love Amanda Nunez, but I also think she's reaching a certain territory where not myself, I'm not speaking for me and I'm not speaking for hardcore MMA fans in most cases. I don't want to speak for anybody, but the, there is, there are certain fans who won't buy pay-per-views because they think that the main event is going to be like 10 seconds long. So they'll be like, Mana Nunez is so dominant that I'm not even going to pay to watch her beat up Megan Anderson because the, the gif of it online will be, I'll just watch the clip of her knocking her out, yes. you know? Yep. So, but that wouldn't happen with Shevchenko because everyone would buy that because it's champion versus champion. Both have cleaned out multiple divisions. 
challengers have been coming up from other weights to try to fight them and they're still winning. So it's a, that is a huge, huge, huge fight. If they can put that, like if they, in, if in like six months to a year or something, both still haven't lost. And there's, cause I think, I think at flyweight, you still do have Lauren Murphy and you still have, do have Andrade. Like I, I do want to see them get their chances, but with Nunez, you really only have Megan Anderson. Like there's, She's beaten everyone else at bantamweight and featherweight. So, no, yeah, it's there's only so much, man. There's only so much uh, to be done, and uh, and I think it's almost a clash. Somewhere a clash has to happen in all this. Um, I, again, one of the the side of the uh, the fight game again that I love. Uh, where we go from here? Um, in in the most interesting fight of, of the card, where it feels like Mike Perry is always at the center of uh, interesting is the nicest word I can say. Um, a loss to Tim Means, of course, as we all know, Mike Perry showed up out of shape and then dabbed about it and then said something right that he signs up to fight not to make weight, which is the dumbest shit. I mean, that guy said so much dumb shit, but like that might be the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Um yeah. Uh, but again, uh, decision loss, unanimous decision loss. Tim Means with the win. Probably the biggest surprise. I, I don't want to speak for you, Stephen, but the fact that fucking that Mike Perry went for a rear naked choke uh, blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. Yeah. So yeah, all of that, man. That was all from Mike Perry getting. So here's here's the thing. Normally, I like characters like Mike Perry in MMA. Like, and I'm an outlier when it comes to, like, the hardcore audience with that because I lean more towards, like, being a pro wrestling fan in some cases with MMA. So I love watching guys, outlandish guys like Conor McGregor and stuff like that. It's very entertaining for me. And even, like, Henry Cejudo, as cringe as it was, and what Colby does and all that stuff, I get that it's cringe, but, like, I understand what they're doing and it's working. And when you have um, Mike Perry... The problem I have with Mike Perry is he's that kind of guy, but he's actually disrespecting the sport and his opponent when he's doing this shit. Like, yes, right. Like, like Colby Covington can walk around talking about Donald Trump and people are going to hate him for it, but he's not intentionally missing weight in his fights. You know, like that's there's footage of Mike Perry literally joking about it and eating pizza and and burgers. Burgers. Yeah. I mean, the the fucking week of. Yep. It's like Tim Means is over here busting his ass to make weight on short notice, by on the sure, way. Yes, but I say the same thing. Filling in for fucking ruthless Robbie Lawler, one of the goddamn most violent to ever do it. Imagine what would have happened if that if Means wouldn't have replaced if it would have been Lawler that 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 Mike Perry had done this to. Mm. I think mm. Ra- I, I think that fight would have not have made it to the octagon. I think Mike, I think Robbie Lawler puts him in his place on the scale. You know I what agree. I mean? Like that's Mike Perry. And here's the thing. These are all things that I think are hilarious. The guy went up to the scale. He said, not even close baby. And then dad. And to me, that is a class, a plus, 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 plus hmm. should be my favorite fighter of all time. But then I'm like, holy shit, he missed by five fucking pounds and he was eating hamburgers and he's talking about how his job isn't to make weight, it's to fight. It's like, no, fuck this guy. And on top of that, 
there's all the other stuff that I oh, totally yes. don't agree with. <laughs> like there's the there's the N word usage over and over by that dude. There's the domestic stuff and the mm-hmm. the the fighting civilians at bars. Like this is the kind of guy that I I just I just can't you know I rarely ever 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 go there with this with you know with fight. He's really the only one really. Like this is comparable in a different way to almost like like in pro wrestling. Like you can't call yourself a Chris Benoit fan, right? Because it's like he, the guy did the most ter- horrific shit ever on and then uh, in, in his final days. In MMA, like I can't call myself a fucking Mike Perry fan. I can't. Like this guy is just it's he's 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 actually embarrassing for the sport of MMA. And this is coming from somebody who's okay with what Colby does. You know? Like I should be saying something. Like I'm cool with Colby Covington. I, by the way, I'm not like some giant Trump supporter. If you're listening to this, y'all, like I, I'm okay with Colby being doing the things he does. I'm okay with Conor McGregor, even Conor McGregor, all the stupid shit he's gotten himself into. He's cleverly bounced back from these things. You can say, "Hey, Conor McGregor is a piece of shit for punching a guy in a bar." I fucking agree. That was a chicken shit move. But what like really actually came of that? Like the guy wound up probably getting paid a shitload of money. We don't know what this guy said to Connor before this happened. We don't know any context of any of this stuff, and and everyone's over it. It's hard for me to get over like the stuff Mike Perry's doing, and and then there's the blatant fucking disrespect for the sport and his opponent. Like that's just and to only have to give up thirty percent of his his fight purse is like nothing. Like it should be. You should have to give all of it to Tim Means if you're fucking talking about this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, and and the fact that you mentioned Means makes weight on short notice, like the, again, that he should get every dollar that was going to go to Mike Perry. The and having even got into the the other stuff about like you know, it, I hate to just jump on this guy because again, he showed some growth in the ring. I mean, he, he the fact that he he's showed some kind of anything on the ground, but you're also talking about a guy that brought his corner men or corner people, I should say, right, were his girlfriend and then some guy who's who the MMA world is like, who the fuck is this? So there's just, there's a lot that you have to dig through to find any kind of nugget of like, okay. And again, this is a guy coming off a fucking a win before this past weekend. So we all know, uh, we all know that, you know, Mike Perry is a character, but at what point is it just what, what you laid out that it, it's it's so much more of a hindrance than anything? Yeah, well, and, and something that I think should be noted is not once during anything I just said about the guy did I say I think that the UFC should or well cut him. I don't right. know. Right. Um, and it's something where, like, personally, I think he's a bigger liability than what his, his upside is because – uh, he's a guy with the skill level that I don't think he's ever going to be a world champion at any weight class. I don't think he's ever going to really come close, but he does put on exciting fights, win or lose. He definitely does that. I can't take that away from him. Um, and the UFC is in a strange position with it because do you cut a guy who's good enough to fight on the show because he is a liability in the, in the bad PR you get from him and all of these things but on the flip side of it, as fucked up as it is, there's a lot of people who weren't paying attention to this show that 
that be started paying attention to because they're like, wait, what the fuck? What's going on with this Mike Perry dude dabbing on the scale, missing like like he did create it was the wrong kind of like and people will say all new you know, all uh what what's the fucking phrase? All uh, press is good press or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, all pub is good pub. Yeah. Yeah, all publicity is good publicity. I don't agree with that. Like, I think there are plenty of things that people can do that are really shitty that like you don't want the public to know about, whether it gets people talking about you or not. And that's this kind of stuff to me. But it's it's tough, right? Because like, do you, like do you cut him and then like I mean, not that Bellator's signing him if that were to happen would be like that huge of a deal i guess but it's like i don't know like i don't know if what he's doing is enough here's a th- all right i'll leave it this way i'll just this guy's kind of will kind of wrap up my feelings on it i a lot of people are calling for mike perry to be cut from the company like it's a big it's basically a hashtag fire mike perry or cut mike perry whatever people are saying and if it was up to me, I would, because I think he's a liability to the company and the risk isn't worth the reward. There's just too much out. There's too many outside factors. You don't know if the guy, I mean, there's been too many things outside the cage and, and all that. it's just for me, the risk just isn't worth the reward. But I'm also not going to crucify the UFC if they don't cut him because I, th- because I understand, I understand the reasonings for not cutting him. But, but if I was the UFC even all the outside of the cage stuff completely taken away from it. You have to be, there has to be more than a 30% purse punishment for somebody that blatantly just says, fuck you to your, to his opponent like that. And just comes in. I mean, technically it was 5.5 pounds over, but like, but they get the one pound allowance. So really it was 4.5, but it's like, you weighed in five pounds over basically and made a complete joke of it. And this other guy, like it's, it's just crazy to me that like, it isn't a bigger deal to the comp. Like if I was Dana White, I would have cut him when it like on the scale, like I would have been like, yo, are you kidding? We saw videos of you eating hamburgers and you're dabbing and joking about this. While this other guy over here found out about this fight three weeks ago or whatever and busted his fucking ass to get here. Like, you're fucking done. We're giving all the money we were going to pay you, we're just going to give to him. He doesn't have to fight if he doesn't want to. Like, that's how I, that's honestly what should have probably happened. Um, but, you know, you know, I, and I, and this is the only guy I've ever talked about like this, by the way. Like, I've never calling for people's jobs and stuff. Never. But this yeah. is like, this is such a fuck you to the entire sport. Because who's to say he doesn't just do it again? Like, exactly. who the fuck wants to sign up to fight that? Like, so I have to come in and kill myself to make weight. And then this guy is just going to walk on the fucking scale. Hold, and next time he'll probably be holding a goddamn cheeseburger while he misses by, by five pounds or more. And then what? Like, once you can get away with it, you know what I mean? Like, it just sets a really fucking bad precedent, I think. Or you have, or you have to make it where, like, the fine is way fucking more. Like it's it's not thirty percent. It's like really close to all of it, or or all of it, depending on how much you miss by. And I even saw John Anik put it out there. He thinks that if people miss weight, they should be fighting for no contests. Like you can lose the fight, but you can't win the fight. And 
I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but but maybe if you miss by like six pounds or more, it's like, hey, you're not even allowed to win now. Like win bonus isn't allowed. You can't win and you got to give them like half your money. You know, like it's got to be bigger punishments because what Mike Perry did is just is it's fucked. It's completely fucked up. It is. It is, man. Uh, before we move, let's 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 uh, what's not fucked up is the fact that Tim Dirty Bird means comes in, beats this guy like this. And I, I didn't I forgot this. Uh, both of of his wins, both of Tim means wins in 2020 have come against opponents who came in out of shape. Uh, Sarah Poli came this is back in August. He came in uh, missed weight. That was also a catch weight that that Tim Means won by decision. So with all the negativity around Mike Perry, Tim Means becoming the guy that that'll come in and, and fight the out of shape dudes and, and come out the other side with the dub. Dude, yeah, Tim Means is great. He's a he's a badass fighter. I'm glad he got this win. It was a very close fight because even every, with everything I've said about Mike Perry, it was still a, a close fight, and both guys are very good fighters. Um, I, I with Tim Means. I really have to applaud him for how he handled himself after the fight because because he went up and he he shook Perry's hand and they hugged or whatever. And they exchanged words and it looked like it looked like means was just going to be cool with him. And I mean, I, I mean, if I was him, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. You know, like I would have been like, that's, it shows who who Tim Means is as a person, you know, like that. You, I became an even bigger fan of him because he had every right in the world to to motherfuck Mike Perry right there, you know, and he mm-hmm. and he took the high road. So good for him, and he gained a lot of fans that night, I'm sure, because he's a guy who's fought in the UFC like twenty something times. Like he's he's been around a long time, and. There's probably a lot of people that didn't even know he existed. And he came out and he he won one for the fans because the fans were most fans were very much against Mike Perry going into this fight because of all the shit I just talked about. And people wanted to wanted to see him get beat. And Tim Means got the job done. So, you know, very good on Tim Means for doing all that. No, I, I'm really glad you pointed that out. Tim Means is a, a guy that feels like, you know, uh, the deeper audience, the deeper cut, the real, the real fans of MMA know, but maybe the casual fan or just someone that really, you know, comes in and out may not really understand how tough and how, how good Tim means is 31, 12 and one. And, and to your point, his first fight in the UFC goes it's all the way back in, in February uh, of 2012. So uh, he's, you know, been in and out since then fought some for legacy but for the most part, he's been a UFC staple um, for sure since 2014. But but really since, you know, 2012, man, uh, just a couple of fights, like I said, in Legacy in 2013, uh, January 2014. Um, he's fought, you know, Magni, Matt Brown, uh, Alex Oliveira, Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, uh, and then, of course, uh, Tiago Alves. And then, like I said, two-fight winning streak now against opponents. I can't stress enough, Jensen and I really harp on this. We both, you know... Make your weight. You know that's that's important. It's you, you, it's it's such an important part of fighting. It's it's so you're a professional. You make your weight. This is a guy that has fought now uh, twice back to back against people that didn't make their weight, and he was a consummate professional about it. Uh, I just again, I'm happy for Tim Means. Uh, Tim Means, and I'm I'm hoping that out of all this bullshit with Mike Perry, maybe he's picked up a little more respect that, in all honesty, he already should have had. 
<clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Because the other thing, too, is, like, if Mike Perry's going to do that kind of shit, like, Tim Means has every right in the world, or, or, or Mike Perry's next opponent, I should say, to be able to call the UFC and be like, yo, I see the guy eating hamburgers on Instagram. Like, I'm coming in at 175. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Uh, like, if he's not having a cut, I'm not either. Like, this is... Because that's such... That can be such... Well, and I'll, but I'll say this. Very interesting stat. I saw... I think it was Jedi Goodman on Twitter. I can't remember. Maybe it was Mike Bond. It was one of the sat guys that's always on Twitter. And they had put up after Mike Perry lost the fight that this year... Fighters who've missed weight are nine and twenty records. Wow. So yeah, because you like historically it always seemed like a lot of the time the person who missed weight was at the advantage, but now they're mainly losing, which is pretty interesting. No, yeah, and and it's a little bit of a segue. Uh since you mentioned that, another number we we have to bring up are the the fight talk uh Wikipedia conversation did not go our way this time <laughs> as the Wikipedia page versus non-Wikipedia page went 2-0 for the, the blue names, if you will. Um, so uh, not not in our favor this week, but yeah, we, we got the numbers, we got the stats for you here on the Fight Talk podcast. I'm going to shout out one more time, Tim Means. Um, moving on to, uh, we're almost done with this main card, going to dive a little bit into the prelims and then... Of course, preview uh, the the fight night card this weekend coming up. But uh, in a in a women's flyweight fight that we we talked a little bit about last week, we ex- we both I believe uh, expected Cynthia Calvillo to to come in and get this win. I know she was the favorite, but uh, but Caitlin Chukagian did not want to be the gatekeeper. Man, decision win. She looked really good, and and, uh, and blonde fighter uh, a lot to to feel good about coming out of this past Saturday with this win. Yeah, hundred percent. And she needed this win coming off that knockout it. loss to Andrade. Um, yeah, she really, she really and, did. And actually, and you know, Cavillo too. She was coming off. Did she? She just put it on Jessica I before this fight, right? Uh, I had to double check that because I, she I was kind of on and off for a second, like win loss. Oh no, it was a draw than a, a win than a loss. Okay. But yeah, she she's coming off back in June, so just a, a matter of months ago. Uh, she she beat Jessica I, who actually came in just a little bit overweight. Um, so uh, again, we we talked we really went in depth on Cynthia's story last week with the the time off, the the marijuana metabolites, all that shit. Um, yeah. But uh, coming off the Jessica I win, uh, she was the favorite. You pointed out Shukagian needed this win. She got it. Uh, I was very impressed uh, by just how. Um, she, I don't want to say she cruised to this win, but, like, she kind of did. Yeah, impressive. I mean, there's really not much more I can say about it other than, uh, you know, Cabello didn't go out there and get, like, her ass completely destroyed, you know? But, like, Chukagian for sure won all three rounds, and all the judges agreed. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it, it's, it's, like, the most obvious thing I could say about a fight, but it's, like, the most true thing I could say about this kind of fight is two fighters went in there and they were both around the same ranking. And I think Jukagian is just better than Calvillo. It's just, you know, she's a better fighter right now. And we saw the better fighter win on uh, Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Big win for Jukagian. Uh, Going to be interesting to see what happens with Calvillo. Now it feels like anytime she's got that momentum and a lot of people are, are talking this or that kind of happens. So uh, that's taxing on the brain. I know she's young, but, 
very interested to see what happens again for both these fighters, especially in this weight class. The, the final fight of this main card, we opened up with, uh, with Paul Craig and, and Shogun Hua. And uh, I, I, during, I wasn't able to watch this show live. I had to watch it on, on Sunday. Um, but I, the one tweet I was able to, to, to see, I was, uh, I was doing commentary for a show uh, down in Alabama um, for IWTV for any fans that do watch, uh, watch over there. That'll be up soon. But the yeah, one yeah. tweet I hey, remember. Yeah, shout out, hey, shout out, shout out, jumping John Mosley. <laughs> you son of you motherfucker. I told, I told Dylan Hells if it gets over, I won't bitch. It's kind of getting over us, <laughs> and I kind of regret saying that. But um, yeah, I'll be over on IWTV, New South, uh, shout them out. But the one tweet I remember seeing from this entire night was just you tweeting in all caps, the bear Jew. And I was like, hell fucking yeah, brother. Uh, Paul Craig, uh, TKO, uh, TKO win, submission to punches. Uh, Shogun tapping out to punches in the second round. Uh, exciting stuff. And when we're, we, we, both, we both are Shogun guys, but we're also, we're both Craig guys. So this is just fucking cool, right? Yeah. I mean, shoot, I mean, Shogun, who uh, obviously a legend, like no legend. one can... Yeah, no one could ever take away. I mean, I think about it all the time. I was just actually talking to my brother a little bit about it over the weekend while Shogun was fighting about how back in the day, like I used to get on like SureDog.com and MMA Weekly and the Underground and all this, all these forums and stuff. And it was always like the Pride versus UFC debates and stuff. Like who's really the best light heavyweight in the world? Is it Chuck Liddell or is it Vanderlei Silva? And then during that time was when Shogun started rising the rankings and was just destroying people in pride. And then it got to the point where everyone considered Shogun the consensus. He wasn't, so Vanderlei held the title and because they both were shoot a box teammates and friends, basically Vanderlei being a mentor to Shogun, they wouldn't fight each other. And but so Shogun won that tournament, the Grand Prix, but he was never like the actual, they called it middleweight, but light heavyweight, the 205 champion, essentially. And, but he was so good that everyone considered him the best. And that's, that's a time period that no one can ever take away from that guy. And the things that he did in the UFC, winning the heavyweight title, like, or sorry, the light heavyweight title, um, it, the, that knockout of, of Machida to get that belt. All the other things he did. People are also going to remember him losing to Forrest, and yep. and then but then beating Forrest in the rematch in Brazil, and you know he had a, a hell of a career. And even if he wanted to keep fighting, I wouldn't like be that mad about it to be honest. Like I'd kind of like to see him hang it up on like a personal side, but it's also like he's not he's not you know he can still kind of hang. I never I never thought Glover Teixeira would go on the kind of run he's been going on. I I don't know with some of these guys, but uh, but that all the being said, like that's obviously, I mean, I'm a very, very big Shogun fan. I'm, I totally respect uh, everything about what he's accomplished. Um, but right now, like Paul Craig is somebody that I get really excited about, and that's why I tweeted Bears you when he won because he's this guy who I did not realize until last week when we did our show that he was 32 years old. I thought this guy was like 40 something, like. This dude, for only being, because when I say only, I mean, 32 is not like super young, but it's also, you know, a lot of, some guys really don't hit their prime in, in these kind of sports until their mid thirties. And 
Paul Craig is the kind of guy who I think is really putting it together right now. He has a really great ground game and he's dangerous on the feet and he's not afraid. Like Shogun's a guy he respects the hell out of. And he went in there and didn't give him any respect in the fight, which is, and they went to a draw before this year. They fought before, but in this fight, Paul Craig just, he just was not afraid of him. Like, you know, a lot of guys get in there with like their heroes and stuff and they kind of freeze up. He went in there and just fought him. And I thought he looked really damn good. And I'm really, really excited to see what happens uh, going forward for Paul Craig. Like, do I think he's the next light heavyweight champion? No, but I think he has the kind of skill set to make things really interesting against top guys. And he could become the champion uh, down the road at some point, potentially. I I see a lot of potential in him still. Oh, no, I think that's, again, I always do the same thing. I have to remind myself that age because he does. That's a grown-ass man, a grown-ass-ass man, a grown-grown man. I don't know how you want to say that (laughs) because he's the most grown-looking of any of us. And as much as I love Shogun, this, it's it's really exciting to see someone like Paul Craig, um, who, you know, you just look at this guy, he looks like a fighter. He, he's, what is that, it's two, two wins in a row now since that draw the first time. Um, I always enjoy watching, uh, watching Craig fight, man. And, and that that's going to continue moving on, uh, from here. Uh, is this, you know, is this it for Shogun? I don't know. Um, and you also to what you were saying with Craig, he looks like a fighter and he sounds like a fighter. You got that. He's yes. from Scotland. He's got that, that accent. Like, dude, he's like what, if, <laughs> If he looked like Drew McIntyre, he'd be the biggest thing in UFC right now. You know what I mean? Like, like that's like what the <laughs> if, if, if Drew McIntyre and Paul Craig could be one person, they'd be the best combat sports athlete ever. Like, because I think that I think that like what like in WWE for wrestling fans who listen to this, like Drew McIntyre, I think what he kind of lacks in pro wrestling is like I think he sounds really cool and I think he looks really cool, but I don't really. I don't really buy him as someone that I think could actually win like an MMA fight. Like, I don't think like him versus Brock Lesnar, I was always kind of like, I kind of wish Brock would just throw him around. Like, I don't really buy him beating someone like Brock. That's just me personally. But you hear someone like Paul Craig talk with that same accent and that same look on his face and like that same intensity and everything. But, you know, he actually can fight. That's fucking badass to me. Like, I think Paul Craig is fucking awesome. Um, So, uh, as far as Shogun, man, I it's just hard to it's hard to know if if it was me, I'd probably if I was close to Shogun, I'd really have a real conversation with him and and really try to figure out what his intentions with fighting going forward would be. Like, if he needs the money, which hopefully he doesn't, and I have no reason to think he does. Like, you just never know people's situations, and and I don't ever want to assume. So some people fight into like way past their prime and it's because it's financial and like you know what am i to who am i to say you need to stop fighting like if that's how you make money and you need the money do it but if shogun's fighting at this point for like for legacy he should stop because there are going to be more guys like paul craig that he's going to be forced into a cage with that the ufc is going to try to use to try to it's going to become, I hate to say it like that, but I think everyone understands kind of what I'm saying. It's like, it's going to become territory where people are going to be making their names off of Shogun because there's going to be guys who are going to be up and coming 
who are going to want to fight Shogun in the UFC is going to be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be enticing. Like, if, if this guy knocks out Shogun, we can do something with him kind of stuff. And Shogun's still capable of winning fights. Like, if it was him versus other kind of legends, like, if it was him, I know Machida fights for Bellator, but, like, as an example, someone on, like, that kind of level, like, a legend that is you know, also dipping out of their prime, I'm totally cool with something like that. But... I don't want to see it get to a point where it's like Alexander Rockich or something versus Shogun. You know, like, I just think that's a, a murder waiting to happen. You know what I mean? I know I do. And that that's, it's, I, it's like you talk about, I hate, I hate the so-and-so should be cut or so-and-so should retire because it's not my place. I'm a fucking, I'm just a guy fucking watching this shit. Like I, I respect these fighters so much, even like a Mike Perry, who I don't agree with all the time and I, at all. But the just the the mentality that killer be killed mentality, right? To get in that cage is it, just so fucking. It, it's something that I respect so much. I can't even think of the word that I, you know to express. So I hate doing that, especially with someone that I just love. Like Shogun is one of my favorite fighters ever. Like fucking uh pride shogun man like that is like oh god i remember getting chills you know so uh but but your point is what i was gonna say man it's i don't want to be that guy but i also don't want to see just the the punishment and what the bad that can come from overstaying that um so uh do i want to see shogun fight forever yes and and again you know he, he coming off a split decision win so you know he had a finish of tyson uh Pedro, what that's been December 2018, like he's, he's Shogun, but uh, I think you, you summed it up again. Great man. Um, maybe some legend fights, maybe this and that if we can do it. But uh, let's try to get Shogun. Um, let's try to get him into that next phase of life unless he just absolutely needs uh, needs to be in the cage for money. Maybe try to find something to put that energy into because, you know, he's just such a again, such a legend and, and just someone that I, I don't, I don't want to see that happen to anybody, let alone a fuck, like a hero at MMA, you know, one of those guys, um, it, it's just, it'd be hard, man. It really would be from, uh, from my perspective, uh, anything, yeah. anything else you want to add on this one? We're going to talk a little bit about some prelims and then get into that preview. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say about that is, uh, like we just saw Dana White, you know, he announced that, that Anderson Silva had parted with the UFC and it was Dana White's decision to like, let him go. Cause he, he, it was like right after he lost to, to Uriah Hall, it was the same kind of thing as like the Chuck Liddell situation where it's like, this is one of the best guys we've ever had. This guy is an absolute, no one could ever take away what this guy did for the sport of MMA and for, and for UFC as a company. But we don't want to see this guy getting knocked out on his way out of the sport over and over again. We don't, we just, we don't want to be responsible for the ones putting those fights on and, and kind of leaving those memories and doing that to these guys. And I feel like if Dana White's going to do that to Anderson Silva, um, I don't know why he wouldn't be doing the same thing with Shogun. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're not comfortable with Anderson Silva fighting in the UFC, mm-hmm. like Shogun's, just as big of a legend. I mean, Anderson, you can argue, is, like, the best of all time. I get all that. But, like, as far as hardcore fans, they're very much on the same kind of level. Anderson and Shogun are, like, two absolute legends from the same era. And um, 
And if Dana White thinks he's doing the respectful thing by letting Anderson Silva... Now, 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 I'll also mention this. Anderson Silva wants to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Dana... It's... I, I don't know. It's kind of... It's, it's strange because, like, does... I, there's probably intangibles I'm not considering, but, like, if Shogun wants to keep fighting... Is it like a respect thing from Dana? Because like, do do you like BJ Penn's always the example we go back to? Like Dana kept giving him fights because he respected him so much, but at the same time, it's like, isn't your respect level of Anderson Silva the reason why you're? But but here's the I guess here's the the intangible. I'm not that is probably the most important intangible, and I'm, I haven't really considered it, and it's going to kind of blow up my entire argument. To be honest, is. <laughs> Is is Anderson Silva wants out of the UFC? I don't. Th- I think. I think Anderson wanted out. I don't think it was. Uh, I think Dana knew that. Um, I think Dana knew that Anderson wanted to keep fighting, but Anderson didn't want to keep fighting for the UFC. And instead of making it this big issue, they just parted ways. But Shogun could very much want to still be fighting in the UFC, and Dana, you know what I mean. Dana probably it's, it, it might not be the same thing. I guess is kind of what I'm getting at is is Shogun might not want out, whereas Anderson Silva, I think, pretty clearly wanted out. So. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, that's a point that should definitely be made. I think Anderson, there's been some, you know, some butting of heads there. So, yeah, absolutely a great point. Um, but, yeah, shout-out Shogun Hua, and shout-out Paul Craig, man. A hell of a win, and you know uh, that win meant a lot to him, and it should. Uh, finishing up just here, uh, UFC 255 talk. We already talked a little bit about the Brandon Moreno win. Uh, of course, he beat Brandon Royval, TKO, round one. Uh, and I'm going to say it again, he's fighting for that title in less than a month. Um, also on the prelims, I wanted to point out uh, Joaquin Buckley, who we all know from that the, the viral knockout from about a month ago, proved that he wasn't just a one-hit wonder, man. He comes out, gets the knockout finish in round two over Jordan Wright. Um, any, any quick hitters on that other than, uh, I mean, he, he's, he, it's, it's, that's another, it's another great performance. It's another, uh, gift we got to see another, uh, another, vi- no, not as viral, obviously, but you, I saw it all over Twitter that night and, and his second performance of the night in a row. Yeah. Really? I mean, making a name for himself as fast as humanly possible with, uh, the highlight reel he's putting together. So. Yeah, you can't really do anything more than that. Two, basically, two fights that people know about, and both of them are have basically gone viral. So, good for him. Twenty six years old, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, you know, he's already at what well, he's twelve and three, so he's fifteen fights at twenty six, getting some reps in, and uh, he's one that you know that age. There's a lot of growth still to be had, so uh, he'll be one to keep an eye on. Also on the prelims, uh, Antonina Shevchenko with a TKO finish in the second round as well. She also added 50K to the pocket with her uh, her joining Joaquin Buckley for the other performance of the night bonus. And uh, the, just the final prelim fight uh, was uh, Nicholas Dalby with the decision win over Daniel Rodriguez. A couple of early prelims, right? We had the TKO to start us off. That wound up being fight of the night. Uh, Sasha Palatnovic, Palatnikov, Palatnikov, with the uh, with the uh, fight of the night with Luis Koski. I think I'm saying that right. TKO finished there in the third round, and then 
uh, Dacus over Dustin Stolzfus decision and uh, and Alan Joban getting back with the win. We talked about Joban a little bit last week. We both are fans of him, uh, of, of kind of his style, what he does. Uh, got the win, so uh, anything – I know I just threw a lot out there, but anything you want to touch on on any of those before we uh, we get into the preview? Uh, no, I mean, Shevchenko needed that win, so that was good. Really good for her over Ariel Lemsky. Um, I always like watching Nicholas Dalby fight. It was cool to see him get that that win. It was a good fight with Daniel Rodriguez. And the Joe Band thing is funny because I didn't know who Jared Gooden was going into this fight, and – my brother was over here. Well, actually, I found out a couple days before the fight, but my brother was over here. And for those of you listening to the show, you may or may not know that my brother is a he does a lot of different boxing stuff. And his gym that he owns, he has like a lot of I mean, just random people from the area come through and you're always just finding out like so and so is training with so and so and yada yada. And this Jared Gooden guy, I didn't realize I'd been hearing about this guy for a minute. He's been like the local guy here in like my area of Atlanta who's been just like destroying like like everybody, but the really low level competition kind of stuff. So it's like I found out that this guy a couple weeks back was fighting in like a tent outside during like a storm and like just beat the shit out of someone in like some main event here in Atlanta. So my brother was telling me like, hey, I heard that uh, this this local guy is going to be fighting on the car like who so like we looked into it and we realized he was fighting alan joban we're like yeah that's a pretty big fight for like literally going from like the parking lot to joban yeah um, dude <laughs> so kind of crazy so shout out to jared gooden from like for getting such a huge step up like that and uh and going the distance uh joban almost finished him with a guillotine choke at the end of the fight um it looked like it was going to be lights out for gooden and joe rogan was even like calling that he thought Gooden was tapping, which, which he wasn't by the way, but, um, but it was, it looked like it was going to be really close. And uh, so huge shout out to Gooden for surviving the end of the fight too, because it was really, really close to being finished. And Joe man did what he should have. He got, he, he should have won that fight and he did. And Gooden uh, will probably wind up getting another UFC fight now because of it. So. Yeah, no, uh, I did not know all that, man. That's, that's, that's good shit. That's, that's the shit we live for, man. Um, UFC 255, bro. It was good stuff. Of course, the the big news, uh, we got title fights out of it. Title fights retained. Shout out Tim Means one more time. Uh, but let's dive into let's dive into this UFC on ESPN 18 slash UFC Vegas 15. Little post-Thanksgiving fist fighting uh, this Saturday from the Apex there in Vegas. Main event, of course, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. We've got uh, Anthony Linehart Smith back on this card, back in action against Devin Clark, uh, a Nashville guy, uh, someone we've talked about before. Luke Sanders is back in action on the prelim card. Uh, a lot of non-Wikipedia pages this week, bro. We're gonna have another uh, test subjects to look at. What? Um, well, let's before we you know really dive in. What are you thinking about this heavyweight main event, Blades and uh, and Lewis? I think it's a really good matchup. It makes sense. Uh, I'm going to pull up the heavyweight rankings. I'm assuming they're probably like within a couple spots of each other. Um, let's see. Heavyweight, heavyweight. Yeah, heavyweight. I think Blades might be what, two? And yeah, Lewis there we go. might be three or four, something like that. Yeah, Blades is two, Lewis is four. So, okay. yeah, that, I mean, it totally makes sense, especially because 
Um, you know, the only odd men out in all this are Ngannou, who should get a title shot, and Rosenstrike, who um, he'll probably fight someone good soon. I mean, he's he, Rosenstrike's in a really weird spot because Ngannou wrecked him so bad, but he's wrecking everyone else so bad. So, like, he's kind of in a play out and see how this all plays out situation, uh, Rosenstrike, right now. So, actually, you know what? The winner of Lewis and Blades probably will fight Rosenstrike. That's probably what will wind up happening. But, uh, but yeah, it's a really, really good fight. As far as a prediction, I think Curtis Blades has more um, tools to win. Right. Because, yeah, with his wrestling, you know. And he's got really good, he got really good hands. So... I'm going to go Curtis Blades. What about you? Yeah, no, I think if Blades, I think it's always Derek Lewis, man. If you can, if you can stay away from that power, and, and we know Blades is not shy to use that grappling, um, I, I, it feels like a fight that Curtis Blades should win. I mean, I hate saying that, but it, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a fight, like, that's the thing with Curtis, with uh, Derek Lewis, though, too, is, like, Lewis can, on when he's having a good night, or I don't even know what to even, I don't know if that's even a good way of putting it. I feel, because, you know what I mean? Derek Lewis is one of those guys, because even some of his wins, like Alexander Volkov was beating the hell out of him. Yeah. And then, and then, but he still got the knockout power at the end of the fight to, to finish you. So it was obviously 100% totally legit, legitimate win for Derek Lewis. Like, undisputably, he beat Alexander Volkov 100%. Um, but like, does it, does it not land that one punch? The results definitely different. Um, and I guess my thing is like, does Lewis do that against a guy like blades? And I don't think so because I think blades, if blades gets close enough for that to happen, I think he could take him down if he needed to. So I just think blades, I, I think blades grappling is going to be the difference in the fight, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, but it's a winnable fight for Lewis too. I mean, this is this is a really good matchup. No, I, you that's that's the more tools you let off with the that's a it's a, it's a nice shot right at the gate. Uh, more tools for Blades, uh, but we can't not mention uh, this for Derek Lewis. His last win back in this past August, uh, he beat of course Alexi Olenek. I remember that. That was also a main event of Fight Night. Yep. He actually broke the UFC record for most heavyweight knockouts. That was his eleventh. So. Uh, the guy, the guy could get you. He gonna get you. He gonna get you. So I'm excited about this one. This is. It feels. It's a big fight for both. But again, it feels like this is a big moment for Blades. A, a guy again that he's only lost to one man, and that man is. If if he's not the baddest of the bad in, in heavyweight, he's he's right there, and and he should be getting that shot soon in Francis Ngannou. So I think this is another feather in the cap opportunity for blades because as we've pointed out on previous episodes um it, hypothetically if Ngano ever does get that title uh if he does get that title around his waist no matter how good blades you know he's he's gonna have to have a real good argument to get in there again because he's gonna finish both times and the most recent one uh just about two years ago to the day uh today it was that tko finish in the first round in less than a minute so um, if I'm Curtis Blades, you know, he, he's since then, right, one, two, three, four wins in a row, looking for his fifth. Stacking up wins is how you make people forget that, um, and, and you get some time between it. But uh, big fight for either man, though, is the hell of a main event. Anytime you got the big men, uh, the heavyweights on, on main event time, uh, people get excited, bro. Um, what about in the light heavyweight division, 
Devin Clark, Anthony Smith. We know Lionheart has back-to-back really tough losses. I mean, three of his last four, right? He he lost to Jones uh, back in March of 2019. Then he beats Gustafson, finishes him in the fourth round. Last two, though, just absolutely just smacked around uh, by Glover and, and Alexander Rakish. Um August, you know, both those are 2022, man, May, August, and here we are uh, in November. How do you feel about Lionheart coming in here against Devin Clark, who's on the opposite end of that? He's got two in a row. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, a really big, a really big test for Smith, like, as far as, like, I don't want to say this is one of those where he needs to win this fight to keep his job. I don't want to don't want to be like that extreme about it. But if like, so, here's the thing: Devin Clark's a good fighter, and he has the momentum, and it is totally possible that Devin Clark should win. Like, Devin Clark might just be a better fighter than Anthony Smith. It's totally possible. Uh, but that's the thing we need to find out about Anthony Smith. Like right now, is you know he was at the title shot. And then he looked real good against Gustafson. And after that, he's been basically destroyed in his last two fights. Like, completely non-competitive, one-sided beatdowns. And if Devin Clark does that also to him, I guess it also kind of depends on how the fight goes down. If it's, like, a really close decision, then it's like, okay, Anthony Smith still can hang. Like, that's cool. Like, he's still good to go. But if Devin Clark goes in there and just smashes him, then it's like, Okay, we kind of understood the Teixeira and the Rockish because it's like they're both like in the mix for title shots right now. But Devin Clark is pretty far down that. Like I, I mean, it's a definite drop down in competition. And as good as Devin Clark has looked, you you can't look at it as anything other than that. The way that I really see this fight as is 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 is, is this is all about Anthony Smith. It's is Anthony Smith so good enough to beat a guy Devin Clark's level? Or is Devin Clark going to be the one who makes people really start thinking, should Anthony Smith be fighting in the UFC or not? You know what I mean? It's it's a very, very pivotal fight for Anthony Smith's career. It is. No, it is. It's, it feels, it feels so crazy to say that, you know, that because it wasn't that long ago, Anthony was fighting for that title, fighting in there with the, uh, the goat, uh, the pound for pound. I know that's not, if not everyone agrees on that, I'm just speaking for me. John Jones, the fucking guy. Uh, March of 2019, man, not that long ago, but I think you're right. I think another one-sided performance, another. Uh, it just it, it's it's. I don't know if it's out the door, but we're we're at the we're at the door. We're at there, and it, the next one's gonna be the one. So that's how close we are with Lionheart. Uh, I hope he comes out in here and win this. Looks really good. I know Devin Clark. You would think. Smith would probably be the favorite, right? I mean, even with these losses, just because of his, I don't know, maybe the 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 momentum he had before those, and just his the name of Anthony Smith, what that kind of you know insinuates. I mean, it's Lionheart, but um, but Devin Clark two wins in a row. This will be his third fight of 2020. Um, hasn't lost since October of last year, which was that loss to Ryan Spann. He got guillotine choked. Three of his last four are wins. Uh, they both have that loss uh, to to Rakish. Uh, he finished uh, Alexander finished Devin Clark, whereas he he I mean I'm gonna say decisioned uh, he decisioned Lionheart, but 
as we both keep pointing out, that was about as unanimous a decision as it gets. So I don't know if this is even really that argument of where we say, oh, he finished one and not the other because he, he whooped both their asses in a sense. Um, it's a big fight, man. It's a big fight for Devin Clark, even with Anthony Smith's losing streak. If you beat Anthony Smith, the guy that was just in there with Jones, you know, a little over a year ago, that's a huge win. Um, I think we're going to see, I, I don't want to say, I hope, I think every other synonym, uh, I hope we see that side of Anthony Smith, the one before Jones, uh, because he needs he needs that fire, man. He needs it. This is a, a make-or-break fight um, on ESPN2 this Saturday. Uh, you know, it's it's it just feels big. It really does. Uh, for a fight that really hasn't doesn't have a lot of people talking, you know, looking at this card outside of the, that main event, this has a lot of implications um, for both of them going forward. Um, outside of those two, we've got, again, we've got some non-Wikipedia pages, some Wikipedia pages. We got uh, Miguel Beza versus Takashi Sato in the welterweight division, women's flyweight action as Rachel Ostovich is back in there with Gina Mazzani, uh, heavyweight fight between Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. Those are our five main card fights listed, man. Um, anything you really want to point out? Because, again, a lot of those may be names the, uh, the average audience don't really know. Yeah, so one quick thing about Anthony Smith, and then yes. I'll answer that. So with Anthony Smith, one thing I want to point out is similar to, like, Cody Garbrandt. Like, Garbrandt lost a couple big fights by knockout back-to-back. However, it wound up working out. I think he lost to TJ, then he lost to Munoz, if I remember correctly. It was, like, brutal. Um, he came back, and he knocked out a Sun Sao. And everyone forgot about that other stuff. And now we're talking about him getting title shots again. So, like, Anthony Smith is one huge punch or impressive mm-hmm. submission from everyone. Like, all the things that I just said could fly completely out the window. Uh, I said the same things about about um, Cody Garbrandt before his fight with the Sun Sao. And I took all that shit back. I was like, you know what? That knockout was impressive enough that fuck everything I just said about him being done. He's definitely not done. You know, I don't know if he's at the level of where he was. I don't know. But like, he's definitely not done. Um, and that and Smith is capable of that. So, I mean, it's totally that's totally possible. Um, as far as other things on this card that I'd point out, I think the the uh, sleeper fight of the night, I guess I'll call it or the the fight that I would really highlight, like that no one's going to be talking about is Miguel Baeza versus Takashi Sato. And the reason is Miguel Baeza is the dude who just came out earlier this year and wrecked Matt Brown, like knocked him the fuck out. And I was like, who the fuck is this kid? Because Matt Brown is like, there are there are a few fighters on my list of favorite fighters ever that rank above Matt Brown. Like, he's right there for me. He's one of my all-time favorites. And I went into that fight not knowing who Miguel Baeza really was. I'd heard, I'd heard of him a little bit, and I heard um, Matt Brown was, like, talking him up pre-fight because he was, he was giving a lot of credit. And I was like, okay, Matt Brown's got respect for this kid. But, I mean, it's still Matt motherfucking Brown. Like, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. And Miguel Braeza knocked him out cold. And I was like, okay, um, this is a guy I'm going to be looking uh, looking uh, forward to seeing more of right here. And uh, this is Miguel Baeza taking on Takashi Sato. And Sato's look good. Has wins over Ben Saunders, Jason Witt in you know recent memory. And uh, that's... That's a really good matchup. I think Baez is going to get the win. That'll be my prediction. But um, 
if Baeza can do what he did to Matt Brown to Sato, I think that he's a guy that, uh, let me put it this way. I think Miguel Baeza will actually have his own Wikipedia page if he gets another knockout this weekend. <laughs> Um, because he I, should have one after beating after beating Matt Brown. You should be you, that's worth yeah. at least a Wikipedia page, I think. I'll throw that out there. That should be in some contract somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for real. No, I'm excited. That, again, that's a that's one that people may have forgot that that uh, again, Matt Brown. I'm gonna piggyback off your point. One of the toughest dudes to ever do this. So I, that's the one I had circled. Um, the, the Parisian, the heavyweight fight, him and Parker Porter, anytime you get heavyweights in there, you know, there's that excitement, that level of like every punch could be it. So again, uh, there may not be, you know, uh, the average fan may look at the same hell, maybe even some, some not some really, uh, deep cut fight, fight fans may look at this card and be a little bit of head scratching, but it, it feels like one of those again, where, there may not be a lot talking about going in, but when everyone gets up Sunday, if you miss the card, you know, there may be a shit ton of, of gifts and just some shit going viral because of these opportunities um, on the main card. Uh, uh, anything else you want to add on that? And then we'll just do a couple quick ones on the prelim and we'll get out of here. Um, no, nothing else on the main card. Um, and as far and as far as the prelims, like shout out Luke Sanders. I'm always going to support yes. that guy. Yeah, he's like a he's a Nashville dude. I've got to talk to him a couple times, and he's always been incredibly nice. Um, and he did like he used to do stuff with Hotbox, um, which is like a not <laughs> not what you not what most people probably thought when I said Hotbox just then. It's not, it was, <laughs> it's uh um it's like a it's like a hot yoga but you're doing boxing like you're in a really hot room and you're doing boxing to lose weight i know he did uh he used to run a lot of those classes in nashville before he signed with the ufc and uh the dude used to when i this is a real deep cut when i worked for at&t back in like the early 2010s uh he used to come in and i would talk fighting with him while i was like working on his phone and shit like i was just like a total mark for fighting and he wasn't even in the, in the ufc yet i just knew what he was doing with uh what was the company? Was it LFA? He was the champion. Um, who was it? I'll know. This is uh, RFA. That was it. Champion in the RFA. And uh, and then I wound up like talking to him with the Joe Rogan comedy. Then like and then he like would come to sub shows in Nashville every now and then. It's like before I knew it, like this guy like recognized me. Play. It was so funny because like he had to he had to have been like this guy's a crazed fan. And then like put it together that like. I do a show or because then he started following me on social media and stuff too. And I was like, okay, now I'm finally at the level. I think where it's like, I'm not like annoying. This guy as like a weird fan. Like he knows that like, I talk about this shit at the very least. Like I'm a, like a, I'm a hardcore fan at the very least. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, just, it was, it's funny. Cause Luke has always through all those years of like, just talking to him randomly like that. Um, he was always incredibly, incredibly nice. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, he was with Becky Lynch years back. Yeah. Who's, who's yep. you know, now she's a massive superstar with the WWE. And um, he uh, he was really he, he was one of those guys that when they broke up and people would ask him in interviews, like, hey, what do you think about where Becky's at? He's like, I'm really happy for her. You know, like she, we ended on great terms. Like she's a great person. I'm really happy to see where she's at. Like he's. Luke just seems like a really fucking good dude. And I'm really happy he's still with the UFC because he's had some ups and downs, but he's a damn good fighter with damn good cardio. And once again, he's a nice guy that I'm always pulling for from, and he, we had a lot of mutual friends and stuff. So he's, I, it's, it's one of those things where I am openly incredibly biased when it comes to 
me talking about Luke Sanders on show. It's similar to Cody, kind of. when it, Everyone knows I'm a Cody Rhodes mark no matter what. But, like, I'm the same with Luke for similar kinds of reasons. And I will definitely be watching his fight. Um, one question I have for you real quick before we get out of here, too, is because we had talked about uh, Fig versus um, Marino. Mm-hmm. On that show, they... They announced, unfortunately, that Andrew Sterling and Piotr Jan won't be on that show, was supposed to. Um, but they did announce that Ferguson and Oliveira is going to happen on that show. What do you think? Give me an early prediction on that one. Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. Uh, I was excited when I saw the matchup because of what we could get out of it. Uh, I think Tony... I think Tony Ferguson really wanted to fight Michael Chandler, and I think we're going to see Tony come in there and have a fucking awesome performance. I, I'm le- I'm leaning. I'm not even leaning. I'm 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 taking Ferguson right now, bro. Yeah, it's a really fucking good fight. I'm glad that they're I'm glad they're making it happen because Oliveira, win or lose, Oliveira deserves a fight that big. And and I and I think uh, I think that. I think Ferguson wanted to fight Chandler, but I think Chandler really, really, really wanted to fight Ferguson, but really, really wanted to do it on his own terms. Right. And, and, he, and he's not in a position to be calling those kind of shots in the UFC yet. He, he, I'm sorry, he just isn't, you know? No, I agree. I agree. I I, I think that's I'm nothing taken away from Michael Chandler. I know the UFC has said they've got some plans for him. Uh, I can't wait to see that. But, yeah, to your point real quick on Charles, Charles Oliveira, has not lost since December of 2017, which was a loss to the fucking man himself, Paul Felder. Uh, outside of that, man, nothing but dubs since then, and every single one of them has been a finish. This guy has not gone to a decision, win or loss, has not gone to a decision since 2015 when he was uh, guillotine choke, or excuse me, he... Uh, he he uh, went to decision in a win over Jeremy Stevens back in December 2014. Since then, it's either been, you know, down the shield or put someone down on their shield. Submissions, TKOs, hell of a lot of submissions. Um, of course, the most recent being March of this year, the guillotine choke over Kevin Lee. Uh, it's big boy fight. I can't wait for it. Uh, I whoever wins, I'm gonna be happy for. Um, but yeah, with, with everything going on with El Kakui, um, I'm going to be rooting for him. I'm going to be rooting for him that night, man. Um, but yeah, dude, we did it another week, another one down. Uh, we hope everyone had a good time. Definitely check out Blades versus Lewis this Saturday. Again, uh, I believe the, the prelim cards on ESPN plus, and I believe the main cards on ESPN two, uh, should be easy to find. Uh, I, of course I'm John Mosley. If you want to follow me. Uh, on Twitter, I'm over at Mo's KOBK, and uh, man, just happy to be here. Another uh, always a good time with you, Stephen. Always. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Thanks for coming on again today, and yeah, this was fun. Make sure to follow me over on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore y'all F I G H T T A L K underscore. I am writing some uh, some scripts, I guess you should call them. Uh, I'm writing some stuff that will turn into videos for all things MMA, and I'm also editing a video currently, so. Um, A lot of content coming over there soon. That's going to be YouTube, all things MMA. And make sure you're subscribed right here to the Fight Talk podcast feed on whatever platform you're listening. If you're able to give reviews, five-star reviews helps a lot too. Uh, It just helps people find us and uh, that kind of stuff. It helps grow our little audience of wrestling and MMA fans. Uh, And it costs nothing. It takes like three seconds. So if you want to give us a good review and subscribe,
on and everything that I'm doing, I'll just make sure to keep updated on my Twitter. Um, and always, you know, check out Fightful.com. I do their Weekender podcast. I recorded a new one and uploaded it today. Um, usually that's done over the weekend. Had to wait till today to do it for uh, for reasons. Uh, what did I say? There was, there was uh, people cutting down trees outside my apartment and putting them through wood chippers. And it was like picking up on the microphone so loud that I was like, I can't record this show today. I got to wait till tomorrow. But uh but yeah, that came, but I want that I want to, went out today. Uh, Fightful Select Weekender podcast. Uh, yeah, so check all that stuff out. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks again to Moe's. and we will be back next week right here on Fight Talk, talking more mixed martial arts.